Hi everyone and welcome back to the Brown Bag US. Uh, tonight we're talking about communication with Jill Jabinski. A few show notes before we get started. Um, get in on the conversation. Watch us at the Brown Bag. Um, at the Brown Bag Latam if you're in Latin America or at the Brown Bag EMEA if you're in uh, the European or uh, EMEA region. Uh, the hashtag is vbrownbag, so if you have any questions, feel free to ask them live either in the GoToMeeting uh, channel or ask them on Twitter via hashtag vbrownbag. Um, we have different vbrownbag regions, so if you're in the APAC region, every other Thursday, tune in at 10 p.m. NZDT. In EMEA, uh, tune in Tuesdays at 7 p.m. BST. In Latin America, tune in Thursdays at 7 p.m. PDT. And of course, the US is Wednesday nights, 7.30 p.m. Central. Hey guys, we have a, another show note here. We are interested in driving attendance, live attendance to our shows in the US. So we're thinking about different prizes that, that would drive this attendance. And we were wondering if maybe an interview with a V Brown Bag host, maybe an hour long, two hour long meeting with your favorite V Brown Bag host would be of interest. If it is, please uh, tweet us at V Brown Bag. We'd love to hear that. Or give us other feedback if there's other things that you guys would be interested in. Maybe a conference pass or something else that, that would uh, drive some live attendance. We'd, we'd love to hear what you guys have. But beyond that, let's talk about our guest tonight, Jill Jabinski at Jill Jubs. Uh, we'll be presenting tonight. And we have two hosts, myself, Lauren Malhoy at Malhoy, and a brand new host, Melissa Gurney at Solution Geek. Melissa, say hello. Hello, everybody. I'm super stoked to be here and listen to Jill tonight. I hope you are too. Melissa, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where do you work? What do you do? So I work for Dell EMC. I'm the primary storage functional lead for the Americas. Uh, that's a pretty long title. What it really means is I'm a systems engineer that leads other systems engineers and helps enable them with content around our entire primary storage portfolio. Wow, that sounds impressive. Well, thanks. <laughs> All right, let's, I, I apparently was not showing my screen, but that's okay. You guys can uh, see it now. And let's, uh, the important stuff anyway is going to be on, on Jill's screen. So let me pass the ball to Jill. And uh, Jill, we'll let you get started. Okay, cool. Let me know if y'all can see my screen, because obviously I can, so I can't tell. <laughs> Looks good here. All things communication. All right, perfect. Um, well, awesome. Well, thank you all so much um, for having me and um, to, to you ladies for hosting. I'm excited uh, to be here for sure and be a part of an all-women V Brown Bag session. So that's pretty dope. Um, as they mentioned, I am talking about all things communication tonight. And I, I'll get into a little bit more about myself here in a moment. But I'm definitely not the obvious choice to be a part of the brown bag. Uh, a lot of the sessions are incredibly technical uh, and, and deep dive into aspects of technology that are so far over my head, <laughs> I won't even get into it. But I am 
uh, a people uh, a people person. So I wanted I was really excited to get on board and come and talk about a couple of things from a human perspective, from a career perspective, and tonight um, to kick off Jill Vember, which I can't even say like without giggling because it's I love it. It's so funny. Um, with uh, a talk about communications and and how um, important that is in your in your life. So we will kick things off by talking a little bit more about me and like who the heck I am and why I should be allowed to ramble at y'all for uh, for this allotted time. As mentioned, I am Jill Jabinski. From a professional perspective, I am a technical, or I'm the technical community manager over at Simple, which is an amazing fintech company based in Portland, Oregon. But they are very supportive of remote employees, and so I live in Seattle. From a, a history of my professional, um, I guess, timeline, so you get a better all-encompassing view, is I, I got my start in technology working at Rackspace, where I, I met Cody Bunch, as y'all all know Cody, I'm sure, um, and I was a technical recruiter there. I started recruiting for my first day on the job. They're like, oh, you're going to be recruiting for Linux admins, and I had no idea what that meant. And <laughs> years later, the rest is kind of history. I, I definitely um, you know, found my niche working in the technical space and with technical humans. Uh, we all just like fit together in a awkward and sarcastic kind of beautiful family. Um, from a education perspective, like my background is actually in psychology. I got my undergrad, I uh, have a dual degree in psychology and sociology, and then got my master's in what's called industrial organizational psychology, which is basically the study of humans in the workplace and how to set up environments that are effective and, and make people happy and there's some legal aspects in there too. It's a very like broad degree, um, but it it really helps me in my in my day to day work. And then from Jill, a personal perspective, yeah. Sorry to stop you there. I'm just curious. I know you you've done some recruitment and all of that. I'm curious how many tech professionals you've worked with that have a psychology degree. Uh, very few. Because <laughs> really? I've uh, actually met quite a few. And they say that it really? helps immensely. So, I, yeah, I'm just curious. No, and I think that in, I mean, so I think it helps tremendously in my field. And I don't know that many um, technical recruiters who have psychology degrees, and especially in IO psychology, which I think is, like, just critical. Because one of the things, one of the large components to that degree is organizational development and organizational change. And functions of that are how to build effective teams. And so if I'm the one bringing humans in the door to help build these teams, it's great to have this baseline understanding of, like, how, like, what an effective team is and how, like, what core components should be involved and then be able to find the right humans to fill those positions. Yeah, I, I mean, that makes total sense. And I, from what I've heard from, you know, the, the technical side where people have had uh, psychology degrees is that it helps them deal with other engineers, <laughs> you mm -hmm. can imagine, I'm sure. Oh my gosh, yes, you are, you're preaching in the choir for sure, <laughs> and that's one of the reasons, like, I love when um, 
different technical groups have let me in to like give presentations or talk or whatnot because I feel like I am always preaching that and an often forgotten piece of technology and the most important piece in my mind, um, the ever-present piece, which is the human beings who build, run, maintain, etc. all of these systems or, um, uh, you know, whatever piece you're working on. So it, and it adds a layer of complexity that is so much more complex than a, any piece of tech, tech is. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, so, and thank you for, for interjecting, and it's a good, like, side note, feel free to continue to do that, or anyone in the audience that has questions, like, feel free, I'd love this to be open forum, so I'm not just, like, talking at y'all for however long I end up talking. You, you never know how long, if you give me a microphone, so. Um, from, a, from a personal uh, perspective, a little bit about me is my most important job is that I'm a, a mom to two beautiful little dog girls, uh, Noodle and Bean, who I talk about all the time if anyone follows me on Twitter, which is another, I guess, component of me at Jewel Jobs, or a lot of people know me as Hug Dispenser, which is a joke that started over two years ago that just kind of caught on, and <laughs> here we are. Um, so yeah, so the my girls are a very important piece of my life, and we're living happily here here in Seattle. So, okay, so let's jump into some content then. A lot of times when I have interactions with people and am talking about the importance of communication, I tend to get a lot of like, who cares? This is like just a little thing, and uh, a lot of feedback around it's kind of like black or white, like either someone likes me or they don't like me. I'm not going to change for anyone, that type of feedback. And I think that a lot of times people forget how intimately important communication is and how it has an effect on every single aspect of your life, whether it be work interactions, uh, to job performance, to relationships. And I'm definitely here to help, help guide through all of that. And I love this. So, okay, so maybe I'm not the best at relationships, but <laughs> from a work perspective, I can definitely give give some advice on on that those types of communications. Um, so again, with its importance and how it's interwoven into our into our day day to day. Now, there are a ton of different kinds of communication. I think that inevitably people think of of one particular form, which would be, of course, talking to someone. So that's the ever-present, the, ever the face-to-face -face communication. But at this day and age, there are so many other forms as well. Um, a large one that I deal with a lot, being a remote employee, is communication over some other medium. So still voice communication, um, but either over the phone or over video calls. So there's, a, there's another level of complexity there. And then the millions and millions of different ways you can have written communication, whether it be email or text or tweet, um, or even something like an online profile, like let's say your, your LinkedIn or your blog, just things you've written and other people are experiencing, but that's still you communicating with them even though it's not active at the moment. So there's lots of things um, to take into consideration. Now, since I am in a role of, of kind of 
team building and have a background in recruitment, I thought the most appropriate way to kind of kick things off would be to talk about um, communicate how communication can affect you as a potential candidate. This is a slide that I picked out of a talk that I gave a couple of months ago at DevOps Days Boston. Um, and it's a really cool presentation. Uh, it's about how to, it's like two, there's two sides of it. One is how, from an organizational perspective, like how you build a great company environment and you can then entice employees or potential employees to come work there. And then from a DevOps perspective individually, how do you become the best DevOps you can? And I'm using DevOps very tongue in cheek. Um, and then get a job that you're really excited about. So this is, again, one slide, and obviously that's a personal plug. If you want a caveat, if you watch that talk, just go ahead and fast forward the first five minutes because that, that was a presentation I gave at, like, the largest group I've ever talked to. It was, like, 500 people, and I visibly, especially to me, have dry mouth, like, the first five minutes. So after I get over my nerves, then it starts flowing a little bit better. Um, but anyway, so it's really, really what this says is that as a recruiter or someone who is evaluating you as a potential candidate, no one is really just looking at you, like your resume and your skills anymore. There's a much larger picture, a much larger story that's being told. So, of course, I, this pie um, I, that I have is equally distributed just because that's the easiest to look at. But in reality, different people are made up of different ways. So you might be really heavy in brand and lighter in skills or et cetera, et cetera. You guys get it. Um, but what I'll deep dive into what each of these mean a little bit so that you can understand. Um, by brand, I really mean what happens when someone Googles you or what's like the first thing that comes to mind when someone says your name. So it's more of that like quick gut, gut reaction, like the my quote-unquote brand would be like hug dispenser because that's what people a lot of people think of so not necessarily like the work that I've done or things like that we'll get into that later but just like that that quick thing the next is network which is anywhere that you're involved like what any type of communities so that can be online communities that can be face-to-face um, and, and it doesn't, I'm not necessarily even just referring to like technical communities, it can be, you know, your local book club or, or anything like that, or your yoga studio. Um, lots of different opportunities for networks there. And then last being reputation, which is a, a little bit more like reputation, I mean, um, like reputation would be like a, uh, a reference that someone would give about you. So a little bit more full picture, um, someone that has experience with you, interaction, or, you know, the things that they've heard, but like a little bit deeper. Um, and so why then, it might seem like, why are these intertwined with communication? Well, in, in all of these, you're interacting with other human beings, and so these are all built on communication that you've had in one form or fashion with a lot of people. So then, it, as a domino effect, your communication directly impacts these, which directly impacts your ability to potentially find uh, a new role. So obviously things that, that you need to think about if you're out, ever out there job searching. Uh, and, and so in that, in that vein, um, if you have a role, it also affects your communication style, also affects your, your current position. 
And so I have um, this comic, and I did the typical, like, I Googled for work comics, and then I ended up, like, looking at comics for, like, an hour or something, you know, when you just go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> but I found this one, <laughs> and I'll, I'll read it in case anyone's just not looking at, at the slides. And it's a Dilbert comic, which they're so fantastic. And his boss is coming up to him and saying, I signed you up for a class uh, to try to get rid of that thing you have. And, and Dilbert says, what thing? And boss says, that thing, you know, the thing that makes you the way you are. And he says, my personality? And boss says, exactly. But we call it communication skills because it sounds less rude. And <laughs> it, this is really applicable uh, because I think that, and, and they are different things, but I think that often we, as, as humans, intertwine them. Um, and, and that's why it's that back to that black and white thing of someone saying, I'm not going to change for anyone because you think that communication skills are changing that is changing your personality and that's not not the case at all they're two they're two separate entities uh, a story about this a personal story uh, that I experienced when I was at Rackspace is this was early in my Rackspace tenure and I was emailing I was on an email thread with a bunch of people from the enterprise segment which that name has changed since but that's some old-school rack space wording um, and I we were obviously talking about recruitment I can't remember specifics but if y'all can't tell like I like to have a bit of a laugh and joke around that's kind of my thing I don't take life too seriously but I do take take work very seriously and so I was joking on this thread and my boss at the time during our one-on-one -on -one, uh, she told me that she thought that I should stop joking so much via email because I was really like rubbing people the wrong way uh, meaning that they just I was coming off like I wasn't taking things seriously and so people were getting a little bit offended that I was making light of work uh, and so I took that in. Obviously, I left the room as any, I don't know, it was like 26 at the time, as any 26-year-old does, and I was like, she doesn't know. <laughs> I, I'm like, people like me, whatever. And then I let it simmer in, and I realized that, I mean, I knew she was coming from a good place, but I realized that she was right, and that it's not just that like I can't, you can't just jump into a relationship and whether that's work relationship or whatnot and expect to someone to fully understand you. There needs to be some trust built there. So in, in changing that view of things, not changing myself, but just changing the way that I approach the situation, and I obviously still laugh and joke a lot, but it's after, or more so, once I've built that, that bond with someone so that they understand um, and, and have trust in me and my abilities and things like that. So I think that, again, it's, it's really about being self-aware um, through all of these things, which is difficult, and it can be overwhelming because there is, again, so many forms of communication, and you're having to think about email and text and phone and in person, um, you know, how, how and modes of communication different throughout. So it's about being cognizant and, and maybe like taking a step back um, in, in the vein of, of being cognizant and my rabbit hole of comics. I've also found this other comic that has this cute little blob on it, <laughs> this human blob, and it says, I don't think I'm evil, but then again, if I was, would I even realize it? 
which I thought was really great because, again, like with my story, I, I was thinking, you know, I'm just being funny, and I didn't realize that the way that I was acting just made me seem flippant about work, which is not who I am. Um, so with all of these things and, and how you gain perspective um, in these types of situations a lot is, is through what, what's called emotional intelligence. And it's a pretty big, like, buzz, I don't know if buzzword's the right word, but it's talked about a lot more. I've, I've heard it a lot more the past couple of years. It's something that is going around a lot uh, at work at different companies, and I know that there's a lot of companies that have trainings around emotional intelligence. And what it basically is, like just from a definition perspective, is the ability to identify and manage your own emotions and the emotions of others. And I mean, that in itself is like, whoa, that's a, that's a lot. Like I can barely handle me on the day-to-day. -day. How am I supposed to be able to manage someone else, uh, someone else's emotions? And, and so that being said, it is not an easy thing and it is not a superpower that most of us are just innately born with. It's something that you have to work on and, and practice in, in the effort to, to become better because you'll never be perfect. Um, no one is, especially in this realm. And so because in this um, emotional intelligence, there's a couple of different components. So it's like being emotionally aware of, uh, in, which includes the ability to identify your own emotions and the emotions of others, as I mentioned. Uh, also to have the ability to harness emotions and apply them to tasks like thinking or problem solving. Uh, so there's another layer of complexity. Um, and then last, the ability to manage your emotions. And um, this includes the ability to like regulate your own emotions and even be able to help change someone else's emotions in a situation. And for me, what comes to mind um, when I'm thinking through these things is like one, I am the largest work in progress <laughs> for emotional intelligence. I think I'm pretty, um, pretty okay at like reading people, but there's some, again, like some superpower stuff in here that re just reminds me of like an excellent boss that I've had before. And so someone that really has that, that keen ability to make people comfortable and turn a situation, a, a downer situation into a situation of empowerment and growth. And, and so again, very difficult things, but you know, just to be able to, to keep those in mind as you're communicating with others and understanding what they might be feeling in the situation, not just what you're feeling in the situation. And again, so, it's, yeah, go ahead. So is there a time where personal brand interferes with company brand? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, <laughs> I would say that there definitely is. I have experienced some of that in the past, and it is, uh, it, it was a difficult point in my work life, and it's one of those things where you have to fundamentally, like in, in yourself, decide if it's, like to what level that is. Whereas, I don't know, in my situation, my, my personal brand, and I, I equate that as to like my core values and things that I stand for as well, were so like skewed from the company that I was working at that I just felt like it was 
not a good match for me, so I, I ended up leaving that company. Um, but sometimes it's just little things and, and workarounds where there's a, a give and a take sometimes where you might have the same like basic core values, so I would equate it to like having the same outcome, um, but you have to work together to, to um, what's the word that I'm looking for, uh, to negotiate like how to get there. So I, I think that it's just again like how how big of of a gap is there between the two? Cool. Um, yep. So the, so back to then uh, with the emotional intelligence and like just being cognizant in the day to day and interactions. I think one thing that's important to remember when communicating with others is, and this kind of equates to my story about my emailing is that perception is reality and you know for better or worse so you might say one thing and that's what you meant whereas someone might might have taken it as you know they were being rude and unfortunately it doesn't actually matter what you meant because what they perceive is their own reality and so then that's where this emotional intelligence kind of comes in and so you can before communicating in whatever capacity uh, be able to negate those things that you um, you know anticipate may happen so you know communicating in a different way where you know you might not come off the way you don't want to come off. Jill is, is there any way to I hate to say it but study up on emotional intelligence or improve your EI if you will? Yeah, there definitely is. There's tons of, of great books and uh, resources out there. Um, it's a, a, a theory based in psychology as well um, that I wish I had like some offhand resources, which I don't, which I don't know if I can add to the show notes or something later, um, just some links or something to some great resources that I know of. Yeah, if you have them, we can at least tweet them out. Okay, yeah, cool. I'll definitely do that. I'll sync up with y'all. But yeah, there's definitely, there's a lot of great reading material out there. Um, and again, I've, there's, I've been at a, or heard of quite a few companies at this point that have tr internal trainings for emotional intelligence. So if your company offers it, definitely uh, make the time uh, in your schedule to, to go to that. Cool. All right. So um, I think that in communication, one of the, the key ways to be a great communicator is actually when you're not communicating. So, and this can be difficult too, is just the listening, the listening process. Um, it was interesting because, or funny I guess, uh, as I was building this presentation, I started just like looking around the internet as one does um, for, for things and I was like maybe there's like a couple like great articles or something about how to be a good listener and I stumbled across this this Forbes article and it was like 15 steps to being an effective listener I was like man that is a lot of steps for some <laughs> to uh, to make yourself better and I just as, as something that's like an innate thing for most people um, just listening, uh, it would be difficult to implement 15 steps every time that you're trying to do it. Um, so what what I kind of narrowed it down to um, was first and foremost just like be quiet for a little while. I just listen. 
Um, don't be afraid of, of pauses during conversations and like letting things that people say really soak in before you, you know, have some kind of, you know, comeback or, you know, conversation back. Um, just let others talk and, and let them know that you hear them and ask questions when it's appropriate and, and dig deeper. I think that the way that you listen to someone can actually have just as great of an impact on someone's perception of you as your ability to communicate. Um, I mean, they're very interwoven, but um, I think this this is is really key to people as well, especially when you're in a conversation that is not necessarily like the most positive. So if you're disagreeing with someone, listening is really key, and especially that letting it soak in part before you have kind of an active comeback. Jill, I'm, I'm sorry, and I'm interrupting you while you're talking about listening. No, you're fine. <laughs> but, <laughs> I actually did a, a sort of improv class hosted by Amy Lewis um, for Cisco Champions back when we, uh, back when Amy was running that. And I love Amy. <laughs> yes, she's wonderful. But so one thing they had us do was we partnered up with someone and you had to start your sentence with the same letter that the last person ended on. So you had to listen to what they were saying before you could come up with your uh, thought, basically. And so it was an interesting way to make sure that you were listening to your partner, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. And and did you find that it was like helpful and you were, did you bring it into like day to day at all or? Well, no, I'm an engineer. So of course I immediately. <laughs> Uh, disregarded that. No, I mean, it, it was, it was actually difficult um, to not f try and form those thoughts, but it, very helpful, especially in the podcasting world and, and such, you know, to come up with the right questions. And, and I think that it's a, a valuable lesson. I, I don't know that it's important to start your sentence with the same letter that the last person ended on, but it does, it's yeah. an exercise, right, in listening. Well, you could do it and see how long it took them to realize what was happening. <laughs> True story. <laughs> it's, it's funny, actually, yesterday I was having a conversation with um, one of our data engineers at Simple, and we are talking about the interview process, and I was like, I think that y'all are just overthinking this too much, and she was like, well, yeah, we're engineers, Jill. It's kind of what we do. <laughs> how dare you? So. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Okay, so in um, in keeping with obviously talking about communication, so one thing I mean this is a lot as I as I mentioned, and and when I was building this, I didn't want it to be too overwhelming. Um, so I tried to try. I'm trying to break it down as much as possible, and I wanted to give a couple of quick quick tips, I guess, in my mind of what you can bring to your day to day life to make. Um, your communication skills better. And so I thought it was just an appropriate time for me to make up an acronym because that's kind of fun. Um, so I made up TREE, um, which in, in, in my mind is just ties in so well with, with emotional intelligence. So if you come to any kind of communication with thoughtfulness, respect, and empathy for the other humans, I am like fully guarantee that it's going to make a positive impact on the way that you um, 
are are heard and the way that you are perceived. Um, because it's really just important to have an understanding for the other people involved and how they are being impacted by the words that you are saying, texting, tweeting, whatever, um, and, and to be really thoughtful, I guess, uh, in that process. But what I w also want to make sure that, that I tell y'all is that being thoughtful, respectful, empathetic to other humans' needs and emotions doesn't mean that you can't disagree with people. I think that that's often um, something that people think about, especially with empathy. It's not being on the same page all the time. It's just having continuing to have respect when you aren't on the same page. And a story that I like to tell, I've told it a couple times before, and I'll continue. <laughs> I'll continue to is my my favorite, um, uh, I guess, story about disagreeing and still coming to a fruitful outcome is with a hiring manager that I had at Rackspace. His name is Jason Cannavale. At the time, he was running Private Cloud or a part of Private Cloud, and I was helping build um, build his team. And he really. I felt like I didn't fully know that that was possible, like heavily disagreeing and still being super respectful until my relationship with Jason. Um, because we often did, I mean, we didn't have pillow fights, but <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Um, but we did go toe to toe many times about, you know, his, his process or my process or like different candidates or things like that. But it was always, in a respectful fashion. So we often, you know, would leave the room that we were just kind of bickering's not the right word, but, you know, disagreeing with each other for 20 minutes and then left as still great friends and still having an understanding, a greater understanding of each other. So it's good to keep that in mind as well. And I mean, I don't mean to paint the picture at the beginning, you know, of that everything is all great and grand and this is all just like touchy-feely kind of stuff. Um, it's definitely like workable into even your most difficult conversations and situations. All right, and then this is something that's often talked about now in technology, which is fantastic and elsewhere, but it's really critically important as you're communicating with other humans to be inclusive of, of everyone because not everybody looks the same or has the same background or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You want to make sure that you're making everyone who's involved in that communication as comfortable as possible. So there's little things that you can do instead of um, in, in a group setting or whatnot saying you guys or I, or saying, I think I say like man a lot. I mean, again, we're not all perfect, um, but these are, are things that we're striving towards. So saying y'all, I say y'all all the time. Well, I lived in Texas for five years. It's the only thing that's stuck um, <laughs> or folks or something like that so that no one feels left out of the conversation. Uh, an important thing as well is asking or understanding people's preferred pronouns. So one thing that we do at Simple, which I think is really cool, is we have a staff app page. So when you're onboarded, you put in your picture and like your social media or whatnot or fun things about you. And also it has a preferred pronoun section so you can just let people know there so I can or anyone else can look it up. Or I've seen at conferences people might have it on like a name badge or something that your preferred pronouns 
it's important to keep in mind too that if you don't know, if you're confused about someone's preferred pronoun, it's okay to respectfully ask them. Um, I mean, that's actually like the ultimate <laughs> show of respect is that you are wanting to make them feel comfortable and you're just asking how the best way to engage with them is. So never be afraid to do things like that and, um, you know, as long as you're approaching it again in a, in a respectful way. Uh, and in the same... Jill, sorry, Sorry, yeah, I love that you included that, uh, you know, as uh, a gay lady who just got married, that's, uh, that's pretty Congrats. cool. Congrats. Thank you. I, I mean, there, there's no pronoun changes or anything, but that is, as, as having someone who, my wife is saying thank you, um, as someone <laughs> who's played the pronoun game in my career, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing, and I, I love that you brought that up, so thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah, I mean, it's, it really is all about creating environments where people are comfortable and confident to be in communication with you and you're not going to be able to, to grow your communities or grow relationships if you're excluding other humans. So, um, yeah, so, and, and in the vein of um, asking people about preferred pronouns and things like that, it's, it's cool also to ask people like what their preferred method of communication is or their preferred like method of, of feedback or things like that. Um, for instance, me, I'm on the phone a lot of the day with candidates and so when I am not at work, I really hate being on the phone and you can, you, my mom will attest to this, I often don't answer phone calls from her because I just want it like we can we can FaceTime in our scheduled <laughs> in our scheduled day, um, but yeah. So I really just have a preference for people texting me or tweeting at me or something like that. So it, in in building when you're early in in relationships, you know whether it be work or whatnot, um, it's it's cool to ask people what their preferences is are, especially if you are the type of coworkers where you're going to need to get a hold of each other quickly or I mean for me like I might um, I need to be able to get a hold of my hiring managers very quickly or people on an interview panel in case something goes awry so I, I always have to ask them like what's the best way to get a hold of you very quickly so and it was interesting actually at work the other day so I've I've been at Simple only about a month at this point and I had my for first formal one-on-one -on -one with my boss and he, one of the questions that he asked me in, in getting to know me was, what makes you grumpy and how will I know when you're grumpy? Which I just thought was really funny but also awesome um, because one, it was an exercise for myself of like, oh, what does make me grumpy at work? And yeah, no, I definitely like, I, I tend to like get short um, when um, when I am grumpy, so uh, just having kind of those op that open dialogue about you know different things that may affect your your communication and your relationships um, moving forward are are very important. All right, and the last of kind of like wrap of a really why does all of this matter um, because it's it's kind of the circle of life. I love this picture so much because I am a, a Lion King fangirl, like that was my very young childhood. And then obviously we got to throw some tech in there, so with this little Star Wars Lion King. Um, but because everything is so interwoven, so if you're talking, you know, working with someone now who you are, have, you know, 
being rude to or they're perceiving you as being rude, you know, they may go to the same, you know, gym as this other person and they know, you know, then it's like, again, just a domino effect of or six degrees of, of Kevin Bacon or something where a year from now when you're looking for a role, well, that person who five people later actually knows you and knows how rude you were to so-and-so. Like it all really does come back and tech, the tech community is so, it's so big but it's so small and it's, it's incredible for me as a recruiter because I tend to, you know, back channel people a lot. I want to know about, about individuals when I'm potentially hiring them. It's so easy for me to find information about people from just, you know, poking a couple different, a couple different humans. So it's really important that you remember that the things that you do on the day to day at work, on Twitter, whatever, are, are making an impact on another human being which may in turn make an impact on you again down the line. So that's basically my talk, my, my session. I, I mean if I had to kind of sum it up a little bit it would just be to again treat people with respect, treat other, remember that the person on the other end of the of the communication through whatever medium is a, is a human being who has ups and downs just like you do and to be kind to other people um, and I'm a firm believer in karma so that kindness will will come back to you at some point. That's awesome. Um, Melissa, do you have any questions for Jill or to our audience? Uh, if you guys have any questions feel free to put them either on Twitter or in the go to meeting chat or Q and A, really. But Melissa, do you have any questions? Yeah, absolutely. So as engineers, we tend to be a little short and abrasive at times, and disagreeing is one thing. But just giving feedback in general, do you have any advice for how to soften that blow for the people that don't really appreciate the straightforward? Uh, Sorry, I don't like this. Here's why. Sort of, <laughs> sort of discussion. <laughs> Yeah, I think again, it's about like expectation settings in in giving that feedback. So asking someone how they would like to receive feedback, or even if you don't have the opportunity to do that, just be thoughtful in in little things. Like don't do it in front of other people, or you know, pull them aside at least like the first time you're having to do that, just so just so you can gut check a little bit like their reaction or phrase it as, I, I always take feedback is, is difficult for me if someone is just giving me feedback without an opportunity for betterment. So if you can phrase it that way where like here's where we weren't as successful as we could be, let's talk about how we can make it, how we can improve for the next time. Cool, great advice. Uh, so, uh, Jill, I don't know if you're going to go into brand more. I know, so you have a couple more sessions, I know, this week. Are you going to go into brand more? So I, I'm not going into brand much more. My The one next week is about, I'm going to get them confused. Next week may be resume writing, and the other one is interviewing. So over the next two weeks, those are those are the two topics. All right, so then I'm going to ask you at least one question about branding. Um, how does one come up with their brand, or does brand kind of uh, come up on its own? You know, like how do I um, 
have a brand, basically? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Excuse me, I think that it's just one of those things that works best if it's organic. And I mean, similar to to mine, my, it's actually like it sounds so self-important, I think, when I'm like, oh, my brand. Um, I don't mean it. <laughs> um, but in when I was first recruiting, I was doing a, a good enough job. I think I, I, I think I'm a good recruiter, but I wasn't knocking it out of the park or I didn't feel like I was able to like be above and beyond. And it wasn't really until I fully started just being myself and stop like a lot of recruiters, the tendency is to either try to look like you're technical or just like separate yourself from the technical humans as much as possible because you feel dumb compared to them and so what I would so that's what I did in the beginning and then when I just started tagging like little sistering that's what I feel like I'm like can I come with you um, in technical communities and finding um, finding uh, a happy medium or like something in common that was not like oh I write Python or something else um, where I was like oh I like craft beer or I'm insane about my dogs like and then growing friendships from there and so when I just really started being my authentic self and letting people into that is when the brand kind of just happened uh, okay so is there a bad brand then I mean let's say I mean you don't have to give us names or anything but yeah. have you encountered a, a bad brand yeah, I, I definitely have encountered a, a bad brand and there's, uh, you know, humans out there who think that it's, I mean, okay, so actually this is making me think. It, I know people I would say that have a bad brand but they own the bad brand, like they are a not nice person and they think it's cool to be a not nice person and they have a lot, like a lot of people know them. but. So I guess it's quote unquote working, but I would say that at some point like that has to come and like bite you, meaning like maybe you're popular on the internet, but that no one really wants to employ you because of the no asshole rule at most companies or that's a, you know, that type of thing. So I think that, yeah, I guess I don't know if that's a bad brand, but that's, that's kind of what comes to mind. No, I it's, think it's just about owner. Like, if you want to own it, then I mean, it, it's your life. You get to do what you want to do. Um, but I, it, you know, not not my object, not my goal. <laughs> and, and no, and I think that's a an interesting thought. Yeah, what if there is a bad brand and what that might be, and if you own it, does it make you popular? And is popularity even a good thing? Who knows? Yeah. Um. And I had another thought, and I'm forgetting it right now. <laughs> uh, any other so, questions? Yeah, Melissa, go ahead. I, I've got a couple. Uh, one that I wanted to touch on personally is if, if you have a brand but you want to change it, say you feel that there's something that is unique to who you are that isn't effectively communicated through your brand, do you have any advice for somebody who would want to do that? Yeah, that's a that's also a really good question. Um, I think that yeah, it's it's a difficult thing because if you're if you feel like you are just really known for something, but you're maybe passionate about something else or want to move, I guess it's just being 
okay with it taking a while for it to be um, it to be like a, a part of you or something like that. I don't know if that's the word that I'm looking for, but for it to kind of kick in. So if you're really known for you know being in the VMware space and all of a sudden you want to shift gears, um, it you have to be okay with kind of starting from scratch. And I I think that just advice I would say is to not get frustrated. And I would say the same thing for to anyone like building building your own kind of brand in general is to not be frustrated for it to take a while. I oftentimes talk to other recruiters who maybe like want to um, want to have like my type of position or something like that. And I, I didn't get to the place that I'm at overnight for sure. So I mean I've been recruiting even non-tech for like seven or eight years at this point so it's it's something that took it took me a while um, and I think it's still definitely a work in progress so it's just that like not not giving up and continuing to um, continuing to to go down your path and the also the fact that not everyone is going to be like internet famous nor should that be the goal I think that there is plenty of, of room for really great personal brands that are just not necessarily like a Twitter entity or something like that. That shouldn't be like the be all end all. Like I would be feel successful if my my brand was just something that was communicated and like oh she's she's great to work with like that kind of thing. So it it's it's setting the right personal expectations too. Awesome. So this one comes from the chat. It says, when you build a brand within a company and then you leave, where's the line between your brand and the company brand? That's also a really good question. Y'all are killing it on questions tonight. Um, so I would say that that it's important to have your own own personal brand that's separate from the company brand. So I think that, like for instance, I work at Simple. Simple's core values and my core values are incredibly aligned. I feel really ha happy and lucky to work there. But I'm still a, a singular human being and Simple is a company. So I think that together like we can create cool cool things, but I I would never want to tie myself too much to a particular company just because I'm, you know, I'm different than that company and and then again then when when I say things then it seems like I'm speaking for an entire company which I would never want to do so I think it's being able to have that separation um, it is really important so it can be a piece of it um, but but not all of you I guess I would equate it to to just your your life in general where I think that it's really important and and critical to be find a role that you're happy and you're able to be successful and you're passionate about it but you're not going to be whole unless you have things besides work that just make you tick so it's it's having that that kind of bigger picture in my mind so you know how how we engineers are we want kind of black and white you even mentioned it earlier yeah when you say brand it, you gave a couple examples but is, for example, wearing a bow tie every day, is that a brand or is that just a quirk? You know, what exactly is a brand? Yeah, so 
I would, I think that's kind of a brand, or like, I don't know, is that like a thing they do? Um, <laughs> but I think that it, it definitely crosses over into brand. What I think about brand more so is more about you as a human being. So again, like with my reference, like what happens when someone Googles you. So maybe you, regardless of what you do at work, like you're um, involved in marathons or something like that. I'm just trying to think of something that I definitely don't do. I'm like, oh, people run. Um, <laughs> and so when someone Googles you, like a bunch of your race um, scores, or uh, scores, uh, clearly I'm not a runner, um, your times come in uh, up on a Google search. So that could be part of, part of your brand, um, whereas less so of more of what you do, less of, I guess like what you look like. I don't know. That's a good question that I'm not I'm not fully sure of. It's kind of like pornography. We know it when we see it, but we can't necessarily <laughs> define it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless anyone has any other questions, uh, that might be a good note to end on. Yes, I think that's a perfect note to end on. <laughs> I've actually got another one from the chat, and I think you've touched on this already, but should you go out brand building or should it come organically? Yeah, I think uh, organically for sure. Just because, I, I mean, I think that if you are um, some kind of like marketing genius, you can, you can build it for sure, but I think most of us aren't. So when we go seeking after it, it looks like it it looks like you're trying too hard so the, and that's a you you want it to be authentic so in the in the hopes of not looking like you're trying to build a brand um, just kind of letting it happen is would be my advice so I shouldn't just start posting marathon pics even though I can't <laughs> run more than a mile no way yeah, exactly <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Jill, thank you so much for uh, your presentation, and we'll look forward to hearing you again next week. Uh, Melissa, how was your, your first time hosting? Oh, it was great, and Jill, you were awesome. Thank you. I, I know I learned a lot, so I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, thank you all so much for having me. I'm looking forward to the rest of Jill Vember. <laughs> <laughs> we are too. Jill, uh, give us your plugs once again. Um, so, yeah, so I am Jill Jabinski at Jill Jubs on Twitter. And oh, I'm going to do a company plug because I love my company. Working at Simple and we're hiring. So, check us out. Well, there you go. We are uh, combining brands there. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I can appreciate that. All right, everyone else, uh, please join us. We actually have a show next Tuesday in the U.S at 8.30 Eastern time, and then, of course, at a regular time Wednesday. And that's it for tonight, um, unless we have one more question. Yep, nope, looking forward to resume building. Okay, join us next uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, and thanks, everyone. Thank you all.